0: Of heights, to the depths of the sea.
1: This was a very difficult thing because Abner was really the power behind the throne of Ishbosheth, and so once he died, Ishbosheth realized he really didn't have a kingdom left because he was his his general in a sense was murdered, and Ishbosheth I'm sure was very nervous, thinking that maybe he was going to be next.
0: Glaming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God.
1: All powerful, untamable, awestruck with.
0: Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Who is told every bolt where it should go? When Isposheth heard that the man who put and propped him on the throne was dead, he knew that his day was almost over. He trusted in man to gain his position. So when the man was gone, he knew his position would soon be gone. Isposheth was weak because he trusted in man. There are times today when all of us look to certain men or women in our life that we put our trust in them. However, there is always that chance of being disappointed or deceived. That's why God tells us in his word in Proverbs 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins 2 Samuel chapter 4.
1: Lord willing, we'll get through chapter 4 and chapter 5, and we'll take communion together this evening. If you remember, uh, the last time we were together, we looked at um, chapter 3, where we... We saw the how many sons and uh, how many sons were born to David in Hebron. Remember, he David began to reign in Hebron over just the the tribe of Judah. He was reigning there for uh, seven and a half years, and then we find uh, later on, as we'll see this evening, that he reigned uh, for thirty three years in Jerusalem over all of Israel not just Judah, but all of the other tribes, and we're going to look at that happy moment uh, this evening. Um, But in chapter 3, we saw the the sons and the wives of David. He had, uh, there in verses 2 through 5, we see the six sons and the six wives that David had. Um, And then we also see Abner, who was actually the commander of Saul's army, um, being an opportunist and desiring to bring all of Israel to David, and I believe Abner knew that David would ultimately reign over all of Israel. And so after um, after Saul's death, and um, we're going to see tonight that, um, uh, and after his own death, <laughs> uh, we're going to see um, Ishbosheth, who was the uh, king really over the tribe of Israel after Saul's death very briefly, that the whole kingdom of Saul just begins to collapse. And as that happens, David's kingdom is growing stronger and stronger. And I don't think it's any mistake that we have the sons listed there in verses 2 through 5 of chapter 3. And then we see the subterfuge of, of Joab as he goes and he murders Abner. Remember, Joab is the nephew of David. And so these men were related, and Joab, unfortunately, had a very different heart than David. David was a very merciful, very gracious man, and we see Joab seeing being really a... Actually, I think I misspoke there. David is a very gracious man, very compassionate, but his, his, uh, his nephew, Joab was not really of the same ilk. He was not of the same heart as as David was. And we find that he murders Abner. And he murders Abner, who was on Saul's side, because Abner, if you remember, had killed Joab's youngest brother, Asahel, as Asahel was chasing Joab, this very seasoned warrior. And so Joab gets his revenge by killing Abner. And certainly that wasn't... Um, uh, David's heart for, for Joab to kill Abner. Joab didn't desire for this to happen. But Joab took it matters into his own hands. And, and David basically curses Joab and his father's house as a result of his and his brothers, Abishai, how they both killed this man, Abner. And then David mourns for Abner like one who is a best friend. And, again, David was just a different type of guy than most people. Most people, when their enemies die, they, they rejoice. But David wasn't that kind. He, um, when Abner died, it, it wasn't a, a, a good memory for David. He would have much rather had the guy live and... Um, maybe come to his side or or live and be banished or something but certainly not to be killed. And so we see Saul's reign declining and David's is growing. And so that leads us to chapter 4 and and notice what it says. It says when Saul's son Ishbosheth that's who Saul's son was that he's the youngest remember because Saul's other three sons died in battle against the Philistines. And we read about that in First Samuel thirty-one. But when Saul's son heard that Abner had died in Hebron, that he was murdered, actually, he lost heart, and all Israel was troubled. And um, this was a very difficult thing because Abner was really the power behind the throne of Ishbosheth. And so once he died, Ishbosheth realized he really didn't have a kingdom left because he was his his general in a sense was murdered. And Ishbosheth, I'm sure, was very nervous, thinking that maybe he was going to be next. And he was next, but it wasn't because of David. David uh, did not want Ishbosheth uh, to die. And we'll find out tonight that, uh, in fact, in the next few verses, that a couple of his own generals, his commanders, uh, are the ones who put his life out. And so it says in verse 2 it says, Now Saul's son had two men. They were captains of troops. The name of the one was Baena. His name means in affliction. And the name of the other, Rechab, is his name means rider. And they were the sons of Ramon, the Be'erothite, of the children of Benjamin. For Be'eroth, Wassel was part of the tribe of Benjamin. And if we were to look at a map just a little bit... Um, just a little bit northwest of Jerusalem, by a few miles, would be this place called Be'eroth. And it belonged to, uh, to Benjamin. And we see that. You might want to put off in the footnote of your Bible, write this reference down, because you can go all the way back to Joshua and see that it did belong to Benjamin. It's uh, Joshua chapter 18, uh, verses 21 through 28. It tells us that that city belonged to the children of Benjamin. But the men of Gibeon, to which they belong, were driven out by Saul. Um, the scripture doesn't record for us when this happened, but the men of Beeroth were driven out during Saul's tenure as king. He drove them out, and we'll we'll look at that soon about some possible reasons for that. And those men of Benjamin, they fled to a town on the um, really the north, uh, far north west of of Jerusalem, near the shore, actually, of the Mediterranean Sea, really in Philistine territory, these men fled to this place called Gitaim, and so um, we will look more into that as we go here. But verse 3, back in our text, it says, "...because the Bearothites they fled to Gitaim and have been sojourners there until this day." This place means two wine presses. That's what it means. Whenever you see the word "im," I am after a noun, it, or, or it's a plural, like uh, nephilim or Elohim. Whenever you see "im" afterwards, uh, that is uh, a denoting uh, more than one. And again, this place was right on the border of Philistine territory, uh, a town of Benjamin. But at, um, to this day, hasn't really been discovered. But notice back in our text, it says, Jonathan, Saul's son, he had a son who was lame in his feet, and he was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And, and this is really speaking of when Saul and his sons went to war against the Philistines. And this was during the time also when David was kind of flirting around and, and somewhat being confederate with the Philistines, and the, 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 the king of Gath of, uh, of the Philistines, he had to tell David to leave. Uh, and the, the king of Gath, his name was Achish, he loved David, and David feigned to be fighting his battles. And he had an affinity with Achish. And as time went on, the other Philistine lords were getting a little bit concerned about David's, um, about David's allegiance to the Philistines. And and they had every right to be because David was a Jew. (laughs) It's sort of like having a a fox in the hen house, so to speak. And so they, they drove David down. Achish told him to leave. He says, go down to Ziklag and I'll give you a piece of land there and you and your men and your families can hang out there. And so that's exactly what David did. But it was during that time that the Philistines came against Israel and David was down in Ziklag, down in the south, And Saul and his armies are fighting up there in the valley of Jezreel, up there by Megiddo and in that area. And this is the time when Saul lost his life, when the Philistines shot him with an arrow, or arrows, and and killed him. And also three of his other sons, uh, Jonathan, who was also David's best friend, he was killed in that battle, along with Abinadab and Melchishua. And there remained one other son, the youngest son, who wasn't in this battle, and his name was Ishbosheth. And we learned uh, earlier in the earlier chapters of Second Samuel that Abner made Ishbosheth king after his father Saul had died. And so therein lies the the plot, if you will. And notice in verse four, it says in the second half of verse four, it said, "And his nurse, uh, Ishbosheth's." Um, I'm sorry, Mephibosheth, his nurse, when he was five years old, she took him up when she heard this news of Saul and Jonathan's death and the other brothers. She picked Mephibosheth up when he was just five years old, and she made haste to flee, and that in the process of doing so, he fell, and something happened to his legs or his ankles, and he became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. His name is also called Merib Merib Baal. Which we read about in 1 Chronicles chapter 8, verse 34, and also in 1 Chronicles 9, verse 40. And his name means idol breaker or shame destroyer. And this name is interesting because we know that the Canaanite fertility god Baal was changed to the Hebrew word Boshef, which means for shame. So Ishbosheth, Mephibosheth, these are all. Uh, Hebrew names that were based upon the Canaanite god of Baal, which means uh, for shame. Now as we look at verse 4, and this will become apparent as we look at verse 5 and onward, this verse 4 kind of seems out of place because it tells us about this nurse holding Mephibosheth and dropping him in her haste when she heard about their death, Jonathan and Saul's death. And then we go right back into this this thing about these men, these Recab and Baena, these men from uh, Baerathites. And it's almost like this verse 4. You might want to put an asterisk by it because it's kind of like a parenthesis, if you will. It's sort of like a, it's kind of getting us ready for something we're going to read a little bit later on in the book of Second Samuel. In fact, you might want to put a little asterisk next to cha- uh, verse 4 and put chapter 9. Because then, then we're going to find out exactly what David did to Mephibosheth, Saul's um, sons, or Saul's grandson, really, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. We'll look at more of that as we get going. But it seems very out of place. And then it goes right back in verse 5. Then the sons of Ramon, the Bearethite, Rechab, and Ba'anah. Notice they set out and they came at about the heat of the day to the house of Ishbosheth, who was lying on his bed at noon. Normally around noon, uh, men uh, who are working in the the fields in uh, Israel at this time, very agricultural uh, place, obviously, they take a nap. They have a siesta from like 12 until 3 o'clock at the hottest point of the day. Why would you want to be outside in the hottest point of the day? They, they would take a nap, and then around 3 o'clock or so, they would get up and they would continue the work when the sun was down a little bit and a little more, more bearable to work. And so here we have uh, Ishbosheth, and, and he's located in this town of Mahanaim, or uh, Mahanaim, depending on how you pronounce it. It's a uh, capital, if you will, for Ishbosheth and, this, and, the, and Saul's group after Saul's death. And this town is actually along the Jabbok River, just east of the Jordan River. And uh, it's a very uh, treacherous place. A lot of mountains, a lot of ravines, deep ravines. A very good place if you're trying to hide and trying to fortify a fortress. It's, a, it's very easily uh, fortified naturally by all the uh, rocks and the, the, the cliffs and the ravines and everything. And this is where Ishbusheth was. So these two men, these... Bearathites, they come in the heat of the day, and it says in verse 6 that they came there all the way into the house as though they were going to get wheat. And you can almost tell how things are degrading for Ishbosheth at this point, how his kingdom is falling apart, because where are his bodyguards? I mean granted these two men were leaders of troops under Ishbosheth but wasn't there somebody guarding the king didn't they find it a little odd that they were coming in there and how did they get into his bedroom without anybody noticing and notice they stab him in the stomach and then Rechab and Bahena his brother escapes and it makes you wonder what might have been the motive for this what was their motive in killing the man that they had been serving under. Well, certainly to save their own necks and hopefully to ingratiate themselves to David, these were the kind of men we call opportunists. When the, the tide begins to turn on, on one kingdom, they see another kingdom rising, and they're thinking, we can ingratiate ourselves to David. All we got to do is take out Ishbosheth," And that's exactly their mind frame, and that's exactly what they do. And we'll see that as we go. And we're also going to understand another possible motive was because Be'eroth, this town, it was intertwined with the lives of the Gibeonites who ended up being servants to Israel based on a covenant that had gone bad. You remember back in Joshua as they were coming into the land that the men from Gibeon had made a false covenant. They claimed to be from a far land, but what the Israelites and Joshua didn't know is that they were just from a neighboring town. God's design was to wipe them out because of their idolatrous worship. And, and so when these men who feigned to be coming from afar and looked like they'd been wearing the same clothes for weeks and certainly smelling pretty bad, they come to the, the guys in Joshua and, and they say, we're from a far land and we want to make a covenant with you. And they do. They make a covenant with them and they make them promises that they're not going to harm them. And then Joshua finds out later that they're just not too far away and they, they deceive them under a pretense And so now, because God takes these oaths very seriously, now Israel has now got a covenant with a people that God had doomed to death because of their idolatry. You can see how, and so these men, these Baerathites, were among the Gibeonites. They were in the same area. And also in 2 Samuel chapter 21, which is close to the end of the book, it tells us that Saul had murdered, during his uh, reign as king, he murdered some of these Gibeonites. And of course, these Beerothites knew about this. They were among the same group. They kind of shared the same area. And so could it be that these men, these two men, Rechab and Baana? Maybe they are getting revenge at last. It could be. It's interesting when you think of these two brothers going after and killing Ishbosheth. When you look in the scripture, we see that there are other brothers who committed atrocities in the Bible. There's something about a brother. (laughs) Because they grow up together, I often see my brother, my big brother, you know, and... um, I know he would do anything for me. If I had ever had an enemy, a, a real grave enemy, my brother would be right there by my side. And there's something about two brothers that are blood brothers. There's a, there's a bond there. And they share the same heart, the same mind. They have the same passion usually. And, and it's no surprise that we see these two men coming after Ishbosheth and doing it together as brothers. We saw the very same thing when um, Abner was killed. When Saul's commander was killed, who was it that did it? The Bible tells it. It wasn't just Joab. It tells us in 2 Samuel 3, verse 30, that Joab and Abishai, his brother, they killed Abner. The two brothers, they probably hatched a plan, came up with a device to kill Abner. And what about in Genesis 34? Simeon and Levi going after the men of Shechem. For Shechem, his son, raped, remember, their sister Dinah. And in retribution for that act, Simeon and Levi go and they, have, they make a, a, a promise with the men of Shechem and saying, the only way we're going to be fellowship with you guys and trade and, and, and intermarry between each other is if all the males get circumcised, and so they do. And about the third day, when they're all very sore and can probably barely stand up, Levi and Simeon go in and they slaughter all the males in retribution for their sister's rape. Something about brothers. Certainly it's not all bad. <laughs> There's a lot of good things that brothers do. But in, in these few cases, uh, certainly treachery, certainly murder. But in verse 7, back in our text, it says, For when they came into the house, notice these two men, these Baerathites, Baena and Um, his brother. They came into the house, and he was lying on his bed, and they struck him and killed him. And notice, they beheaded him, and they took his head, and were all night escaping through the plain. So this is a pretty long jaunt that these men are taking. Picture a, a map, if you will, and on the east side of the Jordan River, near the Jabbok River, they kill this man, they cut his head off, and they take the head and they run through the plain, going east across the Jordan River into the promised land, and then going south further till they finally come to Hebron, where David was located at that time. And it says in verse 8 And they brought the head of Ishbosheth to David at Hebron and, and said to the king, Here is the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, your enemy. You know, I wonder what the, how their voice might have been. You know, thinking that they were doing David some great service by bringing the head of his enemy. But was he really an enemy of David? No. He, in fact, David didn't even consider Saul as an enemy. Isn't that amazing? Yet Saul was the one who was pursuing David like a lion chasing a gazelle through the African safari. David didn't see this man as an enemy. Even the man who was hunting him He didn't see as an enemy. He loved the man. He respected him. I'm sure he didn't like what was happening. But these men, they they didn't know the heart of David. They thought they were going to be, this was going to be some great prize for David. Some great reward might be given them for bringing the head of Ishbosheth. Now the kingdom is yours, David. (laughs) No longer just Judah, but all the other 11 tribes. It's all yours. Look at the head. Look at the head. Sorry to be so grotesque, but after all, I am a male. You know, you got to hold up a head, you know. So here is the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, your enemy, who you sought your life. And the Lord has avenged
0: my... I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Second Samuel.